Hello and happy Super Bowl Sunday. I'm Thad Lanthrop, the executive pastor here. And today we're starting a new message series called Back to the Basics, Practicing the Fundamentals of the Christian Life. Later on today, you're going to see professional football players in the Super Bowl with a tremendous amount of talent and skill. But what's interesting is back before the season started, they had something called training camp. And in training camp, you find them doing the same exact things that somebody who is just starting out playing football does. Why is that? It's because there are fundamental parts of the game that you have to keep doing over and over and over again until your career is over. Fundamentals like catching the ball. You know, a receiver, they can fake out a defender and get wide open, but that is all for naught if they can't catch the ball, if they drop the ball like this guy. When something like this happens, it can be for different reasons. Maybe they just made a mistake. Mistakes happen. Or maybe they got lazy. They weren't practicing as hard. Or maybe they were too busy learning how to fake out the defender that they forgot to practice catching the ball. There's a lot of different ways that a play can go wrong. There's a lot of different fundamentals that have to go right for something to be a success. And the same can be true in the Christian life. Life can take its toll on us. We can get so busy that we forget to practice the fundamentals of the Christian life. We can get lazy and not practice them. We can get focused on the events surrounding us in our life or world events or country events. And the fundamentals get choked out by the worries of the world or we might just forget to keep doing the fundamentals over time. Whatever the reason is, we must continually go back to the basics and practice those over and over and over again, like practicing catching a football like this guy. Maybe you're joining us and you're not yet a Christian. What a great series for you to join us and to get a glimpse of what the fundamentals of the Christian life are all about what it means to have a relationship with God and live that out. The habits that are formed in the Christian life, they will help us to live a life the way that God intended it to be. And there's something that is wired into all of us, Christ follower or not yet a Christ follower. We want to live for the right things. We This desire in us, it comes out in a lot of different ways, and it comes out more in, in different times. Life changes. When you have a child, you realize, I want to set my child up for success. I want them to choose the right things. When you get married, you think, we got to set our, our lives on the right track and living for the right things. Or when you have to make big financial decisions, you think, how is this going to impact my life? I want to make sure that this this commitment that we're making is going to be what's right for us. But how do you know what the right way is? How can we be sure that we are going the right way on the right track? Well, Jesus has a lot to say about that. And so we're going to spend some time today going back to when Jesus was alive and looking at the foundation 
of the Christian life. Jesus had a core group of 12 followers or disciples. These were learners. They they learned from his teaching. They learned by watching the way he lived. And we're going to go back to a point where Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to be leaving soon. He's talking about his death that is that is fast approaching. And look at look at this dialogue that he has. So this is Jesus talking here in John 4, 14, 4 and 5. He says, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas, who's one of his followers, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? The question here, it makes complete sense to me. Have you ever worked on a project with someone, maybe like laying floor, flooring, and you've never done that before? I was working with a friend, and we were working on laying wood laminate flooring, and I, I had never done that before, and so he was showing me what to do. And I'm thinking, okay, I got this. He's right here. He can help me. But then he had to go do something else. And all of a sudden, I realized I got a lot of questions that I got to ask him because he's not going to be here to make sure I'm doing it exactly right. That's kind of what's happening here. Thomas is realizing Jesus isn't going to be around. And he's saying we know the way, but I, I'm not sure if I know the way to go. What, what, what do we do here? He's asking these questions, trying to clarify what needs to happen next. And this is how Jesus responds in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the foundation of a faith in Christ. And we need to unpack what Jesus is saying here because there's a lot of instruction for us on how to live, how to choose the right path if we can understand what is being said here. So Jesus says, I am the way. What does this mean? I have a love-hate relationship with one-way streets. Mostly hate, but sometimes I I love it. I love it because if you know it's a one-way street, you just have to look to the left because you know that all the cars are coming that way, and then you turn. It's very easy to turn onto a one-way street. But there's been so many times when I lived in Texas, there was a, a place that I had to go downtown quite a bit with one-way streets. And I, I would get so frustrated because I would see where I need to go just right there, but I couldn't get there because the street was going the opposite way of the way I needed to go. The way being talked about here is the way we should go. Like a one-way street only takes you Down one path. Jesus is saying, I am the way to go. And Thomas and the other disciples, they would know what he means by that. They they had a wealth of knowledge of his teaching, of watching his example. And we have a wealth of knowledge as well in the Bible that shows us the way that Jesus walked when he lived Here on earth, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John are all eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life on earth. And we can find what that means. And this series is really going to look at the way we should go. It's the fundamentals of the Christian life. Now, it's not all encompassing because we, we can't do that in five weeks. 
but it's going to look at key fundamental practices that as we do those things, we will go down the right path, be able to make the right decisions and the big points in life. And so here's a little brief summary of what we're going to be looking at in this series. Next week, we're going to look at purposeful prayer. Don't you want your prayers to be filled with purpose and in line with God's ways as you're talking to the creator of the universe? We will look at how to do that and the model of prayer that Jesus has given us. Another part of the way to walk with Jesus is daily time with God. Jesus showed us how important it was to get some time alone with God. We see this in Matthew 14, 22 through 23. It's amazing. Jesus has just spent some time teaching a crowd of many thousands. And he realized they didn't have food and he needed to feed them. And he miraculously feeds the crowd. And after that, you can imagine the adrenaline's pumping. The disciples are probably pumped just seeing this miracle. And they're just all fired up. And look at what Jesus does. The very next thing. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Jesus prioritized time with God. No matter how busy life got, he prioritized that. And that's an example for us to follow. Jesus also showed us the way in memorizing the Bible. And we're going to look at that and uh, with scripture memory. Jesus was tempted by Satan himself. Satan took him up to a mountain where he could see all the kingdoms of the world. And he said this, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. And him only shall you serve. Jesus was quoting 1 Samuel 7, 3 right there. And he's using that to fight against Satan himself. I myself, I give in to temptation a lot less for a lot less things than being offered the world. I, I get frustrated with my kids. It seems like every time I'm sitting down to relax, there's something that they need or they want. And I can get frustrated and harsh with them. And that's wrong. It's not right. It's not their fault. So I have to clear that up and ask for forgiveness because it's not right for me to do that. Memorizing scripture helps us to when we hit situations where we're tempted to sin and be and hurt people or other things. We can use the scripture to help us fight against that temptation. And then Jesus loved people. The way Christ looked at people was with compassion and he loved them. And we see that his purpose in life in Luke 19.10 was for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He wanted people to have good relationships, but ultimately he wanted people to have a restored relationship with God. And he made a way for that to happen. Now, Jesus didn't just stop here in John 14.6 with saying that he is the way. He goes on to say that he is the truth. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He is the way, the truth, 
the life, not a way, a truth, a life to live. This statement is foundational to the Christian faith. It's also a statement that's not popular in our culture today. It's unpopular because what we've seen is our culture has moved away from the idea that there is objective, absolute truth. A study in 2016 by the Barna Research Group found that 57% of American adults agree with the statement that knowing what is right and wrong is a matter of personal experience. Our cultures moved away from this idea of absolute truth. Tolerance has become the highest value that a lot of people hold dear. The thought, who am I to tell somebody else how to live, is the dominant message in the media and TV shows and movies and, and around us. And the type of tolerance that is being held in high esteem has changed over time. What it's morphed into is best described in the United Nations Declaration of Principles uh, on Tolerance from 1995. It says it, it's talking about tolerance, involves the rejection of dogmatism and absolutism. What's fascinating about this statement is that dogmatic means asserting or insisting upon ideas. Whereas absolute means unconditional. So by those definitions, the statement that tolerance involves the rejection of dogmatism and absolutism, that statement itself is dogmatic and absolute. So the United Nations Declaration of Tolerance uses the very thing that they're saying you should not use in your beliefs. I say all this to point out that there is objective truth in the world. We all live our life based on what we believe is true. We all live our life based on absolute truths that we hold dear in our life. Even the belief that there is no absolute truth. How can we know truth? That belief that there's no absolute truth is an absolute belief. Now, we can talk about truth all day long, but we don't have time. we got a Super Bowl to go watch later. But I'm mentioning this because I don't want you to get into the lie that there's no objective truth. There is, and we all base our lives on the truth that we believe. Jesus says he is the truth, and he is. I'm convinced of that. I have seen that truth in my life. I've seen him, Jesus and God use situations in my life where I didn't know how it was going to turn out for good. It looked horrible, but he used it for my good like he talks about in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. There's other stories where taking the Bible, applied it to my life, and as I put my faith in it, I found it's true. You may not be convinced that Jesus is the truth. If you aren't, I want to encourage you, seek it out. Because it, once you become that, become convinced that Jesus is the truth, then the way 
opens up to you and the life that you can have through a relationship with Jesus, it becomes possible. So seek the truth. Reach out to somebody at at CIV. You can leave a comment on the connection card. We'd love to talk with you. You can talk to a friend that you might know here at CIV. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. The foundation for the Christian life is that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The truth gives us confidence and faith to live the way that Jesus says we should go. And Jesus says he's the life. He will give us life on this earth and on into eternity. But how? How does that happen? How do we accept the life that Jesus is saying that he is? How do we experience that life? Let's take a look at Romans 6. 23 to see how that happens. Romans 6:23 can help us to understand what it means to follow Christ. It says, "The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." And so I'm going to use the whiteboard to help illustrate what this is talking about here. And so we have this canyon here in the middle, We have man on one side, represented by this stick figure here, and we have God on the other side. And this verse can really help us to see what it means to put our faith in Jesus Christ and what it means to experience the life that he's talking about in John 14, 6. And so what we see out here is wages. Now, wages are... What we earn, right? If you go to work your job, you're expecting to get paid for the work that you do. And if you don't, you'd be upset because it's right for you to get paid for the work that you do. So we have wages here, and these are wages of sin. So on the side of man here, we have wages, things we've earned from sin. Sin is missing the mark that God has given us for living our life. It's turning away from him, getting angry, blowing up at our kids. It's sexual immorality. It's all kinds of things. And it's actually, they use the term sin in archery, which gives a good picture for what it is. If you don't hit the exact bullseye when you're shooting your bow and arrow, they call it sin. And so if we don't hit the exact bullseye that God has given us for living, that is that is sin. And Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short. Of the glory of God. So that puts us all in the same boat. We are all sinners. And so because of that sin, we have earned, and what this says is we've earned death. And what this is talking about is a spiritual death. Because God is perfect. And he's holy, which means perfect, without blemish. And we have these blemishes on our record because we've all chosen to go our own separate way from God. And so we've earned death because of our sin. But the free gift and a a gift here is, you know, somebody has to give 
a gift and you have to receive the gift. If I said, hey, you can have this pen, nobody's really receiving that gift because you can't reach through the TV screen and grab it to receive the gift. And so when it says the free gift of God, it is God giving the gift. Again, holy and perfect God extending the offer of the free gift of eternal life. And so what we're seeing here is it's this gift of God, and it is eternal life. And so what we're we're getting here is a, a contrast. So on man's side, we have wages. That's what we've earned. But God's offering a free gift. We have sin, which is the blemish, the missing the mark that God has for us. But we have God on this side who is perfect and holy. And then we have death, spiritual death, the eternity apart from, from God forever. And on the other side, we have eternal life. God is offering eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ came down to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, having lived that perfect life. And when he died on the cross, it was as a sacrifice for our sins. But he didn't, he didn't die forever. He rose again three days later, conquering death and making a bridge, a way for us to have our relationship restored to God. And for us to cross that bridge, it's about making Jesus the Lord of our life. Lord, another way to say that is boss. But really what it comes down to is are, are you going to trust that Jesus is who he said he was, that he did what he said he did, which was dying on the cross, rising three days later as a sacrifice for our sins. Are you going to trust that? And when you do, your relationship with God can be restored. You can cross the bridge into a restored relationship with God. So when Jesus says that he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him, what he's talking about is he is seeing his death on the cross and resurrection coming. And that it's as we put our faith and trust in him, we can experience the life that he's offering to us. This life is eternal life, the eternal gift that God is offering us an eternal life with no more pain, no more suffering, relationships not marred with sin and and conflict, but perfect relationships and just getting to spend eternity with the God of the universe. That's what that's what the life is. But it's not just about the eternal life, it's Jesus gives us life on this earth. We don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. 
living under the ultimate consequence and the weight and the guilt of our sin, Jesus is saying, trust in me. Make me the Lord of your life. Believe that I paid the penalty for your sin. You don't have to feel that guilt and shame anymore. Trust in me. Make me the Lord of your life. Go the way that you should go. Know that I am the truth and there's confidence in that. And live the life that you can have through a relationship with with me. That's what Jesus is saying to us. And that life is sweet. It's a life that's filled with power when you put Jesus at the center of your life. Last week, I was startled by something. And I, I don't get startled very often, but I, I was startled and I gave in to fear, the type of fear that, that the hair on your necks stand up. And it was sin. I wasn't trusting God with the situation I was facing. And so I confessed it to God. I said, God, I gave in to fear. Please, please forgive me. And I trusted in Deuteronomy 31.6 that says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. There's power in the word of God applied to situations we're facing. And this life that Jesus is talking about, it's a life filled with a community of people around you who want what's best for you. I was sitting in my group this past week just thinking and and being thankful for the relationships, the friendships that God has allowed me and my family to have. It's a group of about 15 people, and we're committed to try to relate to each other the way the Bible talks about, to care for each other's needs when they come up, to talk about the Bible, encouraging each other, spurring each other on to make the right decisions, to go down the right path, to live the way that Jesus is talking about. That's rare in life to have a group of people around you that are committed to doing those things. Jesus is the way we should go. He's the truth we can trust in. And he is the life, both here now, and on into eternity. This is the foundation of the Christian faith. This is where the power comes to live life the way that that Jesus is telling us to live. And as we get back to the basics, spending time with God daily, in prayer and reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture, loving the people around us, and sharing the good news of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. As we get back to those basics, we get this momentum in our life to grow, to stretch ourselves in faith, and we experience the life that God has for us. That's the the life that Jesus is offering to all of us. If you haven't experienced that life, then I, I want to invite you, to make Jesus the, the Lord and boss of your life th- this morning. Each, each week we have a next step or a few next steps that we 
invite people to take in response to the message. And that's the first one today. You're invited to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you're, if you're ready to do that, you just you pray and you say, God, I'm done going my own way. I believe that, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That he lived a perfect life. That he raised the third day. And I believe in those things, God. And I want to live life your way. Forgive me for my sins and help me to live life your way. That's what you that's what you do. If you're ready to make that decision, if you're praying that right now, please let us know on the connection card. We'd love to follow up with you and help you as you're as you're starting out on your journey. And we'd love to help you start practicing the fundamentals of the Christian life. Another next step is maybe you're not there yet and you just want to investigate Christianity by write down something specific. We could say that vaguely, but it doesn't it doesn't really help unless we we write down something specific because the vagueness just gets lost somewhere. So write down something specific. Maybe it's reading a book or reaching out to a friend or or reaching out to, to CIV. Another next step is to attend the rest of the message series. I hope you can join us for it. Or maybe you want to memorize Romans 6.23, the bridge illustration. You can go watch this message or that section of the message uh, again at our YouTube page, churchinthevalley.com slash YouTube. Um, and you can memorize that as a way to know the foundation of the Christian life and a way to share that with others. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you are the way, the truth, the life, and that we can come to a restored relationship with God through you. Help us, Lord, to take that truth and to live out the way this week. Jesus' name, amen.